mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be beginning in verse 26 today as we continue really looking at the greatest gift ever given. That's the only time I title sermons usually, unless God puts it on my heart, is at Christmas time. The greatest gift ever given. Now again, as uh, to be repetitive, we know that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. It's a day that Constantine instituted to try to bring people together and get them to, to be in church. And so he was born probably uh, September, October-ish. Uh, and uh, the, the, the point is, though, he was born. He was given. He is the greatest gift ever given. That God, God in heaven, the, the, the great God of heaven and earth, wrapped himself in flesh and come down and hung and decorated the first tree. As the Bible says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And Jesus took our curse. The greatest gift ever given came to die so that you and I could live. See, he was alive in heaven. He was life itself, life incarnate, the everlasting God. And he came down to die because we were dead. So that we could live. See the, see the difference there? He laid down what he was so that we could become who he is. And part of his family once again. And take away the curse. Not to continue doing the same thing. And so often, and that's why I call it culturanity. When you tell somebody all they have to do is say one prayer and they're okay. We opened last week and we seen Zacharias burning incense, which was indicative of the prayers of the saints. Our life should be a life of prayer, to pray continually, to always offer with our life an aroma to God that is pleasing by what we do and by how we even repent at times. And we turn and we hear the rebukes of life and we live for Him. The greatest gift ever given wrapped himself in flesh to show us how to unwrap our flesh and put it in the grave. See, we have to ha unwrap our flesh and be wrapped in Christ. And then he sends us out and gives us as a gift, as the light of the world. And they see that there's a difference in a life. There's a difference because you're being wrapped in the gold, the, the deity, the precious blood of Jesus. There's evidence that you've received that gift. Because when you open it and you begin to enjoy the inheritance, now you have something to hand out. You have something to give others. But if you're not opening that package, if you're not opening this gift, if you're not fellowshipping with the God of the universe who died so that we could live, then you have nothing to give others except for a selfish life wrapped in flesh. 
which is death. That's death culture. That's what the devil wants us to hand out is some religion that leads everybody to death. Some religion that makes you feel real good about who you are and real strong about what you know, but never brings people to wrap themselves in Christ. So what kind of wrapping paper are you using to wrap up your gift this year? See, I go to the store, I don't know about you guys, but I refuse to buy, I won't even buy a package that's got a Santa Claus in it. You know, if you got them rolls of five, oh, I like that one, that's a nice one, that's a really nice, oh, no, it's got one of them Santa Clauses in it. See, because Santa Claus is Saint, Satanic. Saint Nick, I mean, is that what I, did I say that wrong? It's Satanic. Santa Claus is Satanic, it replaces Jesus. And the only reason we're talking about the greatest gift ever given is because of Jesus, not Santa Claus. And when you lie to your children about Santa Claus, they're going to grow up thinking, what else did my parents lie to me about? They're going to buy into the lie. When you represent one thing, and then they find out that you've been misrepresenting things, then they think all of life is a lie. And it buys right into the devil's plan to deceive your children to think, I can't trust my parents. Why? Because he wants to be their parents. Because he wants to lead their life. He wants to train them in the way to go instead of you according to Christ, because you've been unwrapping this gift of life that keeps on giving. And did I mention that the batteries are included? All the power you need is already in the gift when you unwrap the inheritance. And if you don't use his power and his strength and his might, then you're doing it in your flesh. You're still living according to good old-fashioned curse. Your power doesn't work anymore. You have to humble yourself. You have to, to, to surrender completely and come and die at this cross with him and be crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. No longer. If you try to do it in your power, your strength, your might, with your resources, then you just flesh. It's good old-fashioned religion. You're wrapping yourself in flesh. You're rewrapping that same old package. Remember we talked last week? that I have this package that my daughter gave me and I never did open it, never did use it. You know what they did? They went and grabbed it, took it off the shelf, ripped the paper off, rewrapped it in some more paper. And that's what most Christians do. They say, oh, I'm born again. Oh, I believe in Jesus. And then they rewrap themselves with other flesh. Well, I'm not over here in the bar no more. Now I'm cleaning myself up and I'm wrapping myself up in man's rules, man's laws, man's wrapping paper, some more flesh, something that looks cleaner and comes closer to societal norms. Got some good manners, didn't put my elbows on the table. That's not salvation. Salvation is death to self. Salvation is being wrapped in Jesus about his business for his glory for such a time as this. What are you being wrapped up in? What are you wrapped up in? What is it that, that really floats your boat? What gets you going? What, what are you wrapped up in? Is it Jesus? Really, seriously. I find that if I talk about anything but Jesus, I'm just in the flesh. It just starts coming out with the old flesh. The old man just starts raising up out of the grave, and I have to just shut up. Because the only good thing that dwells in me is Christ. What are you wrapped up in this year? What do you want to be wrapped up in? See, that's right there is where the rub meets the road. And that's why it's so dangerous to tell somebody if you say a prayer, you're going to be saved. Because now you can say a prayer, you think you're saved, and you can keep on living and keep being wrapped up in your own self, your own flesh, your own sin, and you think you're okay because you said that prayer. Well, God will forgive me. 
Really? Did he forgive you? Did you receive his forgiveness? Are you opening the package? See, because there's always going to be evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see it today in the Annunciation, the announcement. Is it called the Annunciation? I think it's called the Annunciation. I don't know why. I don't know why they start those traditions and then mess up the whole Bible. But that's what it's called. It's the text today, uh, 126 of Luke. Let's pray and we'll enter into it. Father, we cry out to you that we would be wrapped up in your son Jesus, clothed in righteousness, and that we would be about your business, doing your will for your glory, that self would be in the grave. And Lord, we know that that's a sanctification process, but we pray that we would at least this Christmas turn our hearts toward home. And we would stop looking at how we can please ourselves, but how we can be pleasing to you by faith, by diligently seeking you, by saying no to those things that we know for sure you've said no to. Lord, help us to wrap ourselves in your son Jesus and give ourselves away as a gift to others so that they would hear the truth and they would turn to you and they would be set free from the curse. Thank you for hanging on a tree and decorating that tree with the light of the world. Lord, we give you praise today. And we ask that you would wake us up at the heart of our Christian walk. And we would know that we worship the greatest gift ever given all year long. And we're going to see you soon. And we know that. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, 126 of Luke, Dr. Luke doing an autopatia, an autopsy of the body of Christ, of the things of the gospel, so that you and I could know uh, better what we believe in. Uh, do you know what you believe in? Now, in the sixth month, six is a good number, it's the number of man. In the sixth month, it had to be in the sixth month. Why didn't, she, why didn't he come again in the fourth month, the, the seventh month? I mean, she's not going to have a baby till the ninth month. The sixth month is purposeful. God sends Gabriel back, the angel Gabriel. Angel is the word we get apostle from, one sent forth. See, when you and I are told to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that we've been commanded. And Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. He is sending us as a messenger. That's what that word means. An apostle is one sent forth. An apostle is a messenger. We've been given a message to go and give to others. And we have to unwrap that give to know what that message is so that we can share it with others. Do you own that message? You was given a gift, but do you own it? Are you an inheritor of the gift from God? Are you joint heirs with Christ? Do you have anything to give to other people that will save their soul? An angel named Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, strong man of God is what that means. Do you guys remember that, the names? Listen, there's salvation in no other name but in the name of Jesus. And name 
defined. It, it, it is, a, it is a, uh, something that's given so that you can recognize somebody. Your name, my name, I'm Greg. But your name means something. And the name of Jesus, the name means his authority, his character, his nature, his will. It's everything about what he came to do, the anointed of God, the Mashiach of God that takes away the sins of the world. He came to die. For this purpose, he has come. What purpose have you come from God for? What, what is your purpose? What are you doing? See, we think we just said a prayer, I'm saved, now I got fire insurance, I'm not going to burn in hell, now I can sit around and do nothing except pursue self, wrap back up in self, wrap back up in the things of this world. This world is not our home. This world is part of the enemy. Our enemies are our own flesh, Satan, and the world that lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. That's our three enemies. That's the ones that deceive us through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. And yet, we give our life to Christ, and we go on listening to what the world's government, and, and they have to say. Instead of coming and finding out what God really has said, Gabriel was sent by God. Isn't that interesting? Luke is so, I mean, he's so exacting in what he says. I mean, he could have just left out by God and just said Gabriel was sent. I think we would all infer that he came from God. But he wants to make sure you know where he came from. Because you can't just receive every messenger that comes and say, if it doesn't line up, if it's not from God, if it's not truth, it's not from God. And someone has said, if it's new, it's not from God. Because if it's from God, it's not new. He's the ancient of days. He's not doing anything new. He's still just simply saving souls with the gospel truth of the blood of Jesus. It's the same simplicity of the gospel since the beginning. We're sinners. There's been a death and atonement of the blood of Jesus. And we simply believe that and surrender to what he has. And now we've been purchased with the blood of Jesus and we're not our own anymore. We don't belong to ourselves, so we shouldn't be feeding self. And that evidence should appear when the Holy Spirit enters your life. Because the Holy Spirit is not weak and anemic. The Holy Spirit has all the power of the universe. The Holy Spirit is God. We call him the third person of the Godhead, but he's God. And if he comes into your heart and you just surrender the least little bit, he will lead you into righteousness. He will lead you into path of righteousness for his namesake. He's not going to allow you to continue. So you have to grieve, quench, insult, and resist him. Hence called blaspheme, the Holy Spirit, which is the only unpardonable sin, is to ignore what God is saying to his people that he came to save. See, he died for the whole world, but so many ignore him and they play religiosity and they continue living as they've always lived and they will reap what they sow. I know, Christmas message. Greg, you're supposed to be talking about jolly stuff. No, I'm telling you the truth. The package is there. The package should be open. You should be able to walk in victory with the hope that Jesus is coming to get you soon. And you should have lost every fear in your life. Or if you're not, you should be doing that. Because that's what God gave us. Peace on earth. 
We'll see it in our next week's message, the Christmas message, when Jesus is born in Bethlehem. It is sad, sometimes, what we call Christianity. But amazingly, Gabriel is sent by God to a city of Galilee. Now listen, because I love the names. Galilee means heathen circle or heathen circuit. See, God didn't come down to earth to a bunch of good people because there ain't no good people. He came down to a bunch of rebellious, cursed people that were going to hell. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came as a rescue party, a rescue of one to die and make atonement for us. He came to the heathen circle because there was no other place to come. We're all heathens. And that's what Galilee means. You know, when you're putting your hand in the hand of the man... And you sing about the Galilee? That's the heathen circle. But we sing things that have nothing good about the gospel to say. And then we think we're religious or spiritual. We have to investigate this stuff. This is the whole point of Luke writing this is to investigate. What is this gift? What is this life? What did God do for me? How should I thus live? How do I walk? What do I say? What are my gifts, talents, and ability? What are yours? What are you wrapping yourself in? See, he came and he gives, I mean, Jesus gives this indictment to the Pharisees and Sadducees. You travel land and sea to save one proselyte, and you make them twice the sons of hell. Because you rewrap them in your ways instead of God's ways. In a relationship with God. And that's the same indictment I would make against culturanity. When people don't get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and wrap themselves in this light. And make darkness hide. To Galilee, named Nazareth. It's actually, when you look it up, it's not even, it's actually funny because it's not even Nazareth. It's Nazareth or something, and it's totally um, different than what we see here. It means the guarded one. And I, I think there was, uh, uh, the only thing in Nazareth was a battalion of soldiers. It was just a place where they kept soldiers. Nothing there. It's called the guarded one. Well, what was he doing there, Greg? Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Maria. That's what it really is. Mary is the way we translate it. It's really Maria. It means their rebellion. So here comes the angel. God sent him down in the fullness of time to speak to this girl who's probably 13 to 16 years old. So there are a lot of people that think that, you know, you have to have children's ministries and you can't teach kids. But listen, in this culture at this time, this 13, probably maybe 14 at the most year old girl was being used by God in a mighty way. You know why? Because she wasn't indoctrinated with all the lies of the church, all the lies of the Jewish community. 
She had some innocence in her faith. She wasn't already indoctrinated into all the traditional methods that they had come up with. She didn't go yet to the, to the schools of higher learning. She didn't go yet into all the things, and she was there wanting. She was preparing herself to be used by God. You're going to see it by what she does. She was prepared to meet God the way we should prepare to meet God every single day. We should be prepared to say, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Because I belong to you now. I should be preparing my heart to do God's will. And yet we wrap ourselves up to do our own will in everything that we do. I am there too. So I'm not trying to preach to just you. I'm talking about how we should be living and how many do live. She's a virgin. It means a um, young daughter. Virgin means a maiden. It implies she's unmarried, so she's still under the covering of her father. Uh, and she's espoused, that's a hard word to say, betrothed I like better. Uh, that means the engagement period. When, when in our culture we ask someone to marry us and you know there's going to be a wedding, there's called an engagement period. This is the engagement date. Here's a ring, and we're going to, you know, get married a year from now. And typically, that's what it was when you were betrothed. You were married, uh, you'd be married about a year later. But the man would bring a dowry to the father and would present it to them and ask for her hand. They was usually arranged where they knew most of their life who they were going to marry. And so she's, gonna, she's betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Joseph means he will add. He will add. Listen, God will add to your life. He will add all that you need for your walk in Christ. He will wrap you in the right things if you surrender to him. And you're betrothed to him right now. But what you have to do is take the dowry money, your inheritance, and begin to use it to adorn yourself as a bride to be presented to God when we cross the finish line to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And when the time is ready, you're going to go. I don't know what time that is, but you're going to be ready to be presented. And are you taking care of yourself? See, the father would bring the son and they would give a dowry. And then that woman would take that with her bridesmaids and they would begin to get everything ready for the wedding because they would know the wedding was going to happen now because once you agree and you say yes there's going to be a wedding and in this culture in Galilee especially the Galilean wedding was the most amazing wedding of all nobody else did it like they did in Galilee and he would give them the dowry, and then they would take that money, that inheritance, that, that dowry, and use it to, to get the wedding dress, to, to, to prepare them to, to be meeting the bride or to meet the bridegroom in the air. Isn't that amazing? To meet him in the air. Because they would go away, then the, the son would go away with the father to the father's house, and he would begin to build a house on the side of the father's house because he knew he had a bride coming soon. And that bride was getting ready, and he would be building this house, and he'd be preparing the banqueting table. He'd be preparing all things. But he didn't know the day or the hour that the wedding was going to happen. That was only hidden in the father's will. The father's the only one that knew. And when he's seen that table set and everything ready in the presence of the enemies, and when he's seen the house looking great, and he says, it's time, he says, go get them, son. Go get your bride. 
And they would come with the angels. We'll see. They would come with the wedding party with the groom. And they would take, what is it? I, I keep forgetting what these things are called. Those, those things they use in Asian countries where they carry them around. Anybody know what those are called? I always want to call them a kin, but a kin has a couple wheels on it that they use in Asian countries. They would come, four guys holding that, and they would literally put the bride in it and whisk her away in the air. The same way the rapture is going to happen with you and me. We're going to be whisked away in the air. And they would take her into the wedding chamber and close the door. And once the door is closed, nobody else gets in. And it's just interesting when you start looking at Matthew 24, 25, you find out that he comes at midnight. He comes when it's the darkest. See, we're getting to the darkest, lawless time of this planet. Oh, I know it's been bad. There's been some other times. There was times in Noah's days that were real dark. They were real black. And he announced a type of this type of judgment that's getting ready to come. And he came and he performed it. And he flooded the earth, all except for eight people. And he had a new beginning there. We're getting ready to have another new beginning. Are you wrapping yourself up in the dowry that Christ has given you? In the dowry money that he bought you with? Are you wrapping yourself up in this inheritance? Are you understanding that this is not your home? You're pilgrims here. Pilgrims here you're aliens. You're mere passerbyers. That your citizenship is now in heaven. Are you preparing your life for heaven? These are important questions because the gift has been given. The power has been given. The life has been restored to those who believe. We've been set free to follow Jesus. Not to continue to run around in the heathen circle and ignore the one who guards our soul. So, a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was, he will add, of the house of David, which means beloved. The virgin's name was Mary, which means their rebellion. Oh, I started to tell you that, didn't I? Zacharias, we seen last week, means God remembers, which is what we do in prayer. We're remembering Elizabeth means his oath, his promise. Gabriel means strong man of God. John means God's gracious gift. Or the Lord is a gracious giver is another way it can be said. Jehovah is a gracious giver. Well, what's he given? He will add, Joseph, their rebellion, Mary, to who? Jesus, the Lord's salvation, the Lord's anointed, the Mashiach of God. This is what he's doing. Names mean something. Whose name are you living for? Are you searching out your new name? Get a new one when you get to heaven. Are you living for the name of Jesus under his authority? Are you wrapping yourself up in his righteousness? Following your new husbandman?
Do you know that in salvation, listen to me, because I, 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 do you know that, well, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me just show you. Did I mark it? 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Because all of this is, see, Mary was just first. She was the first one to carry the Christ child in her womb. You know, now they're trying to sterilize wombs with a shot. Proof, there's proof, there's evidence. They've been kicked out of other countries for these vaccinations, they call them. I don't care. Sterilizing women. Making their wombs barren. Second Corinthians, we find out what really happens to you and I when we get saved. Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, defending the fact that he presented the gospel to them, and now they're talking bad about him because they bought into some other, been wrapped up in some other gospel. They're being wrapped up in some lies by somebody from the spirit of Antichrist. And he says <clears throat> in 11.1, 1, Oh, that you would bear, see we're talking about barren children, bear with me with a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, wraps you in some other flesh some other deity whom we have not preached or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received or a different gospel which you have not accepted you may well put up with it what are you putting up with what kind of wrapping paper are you being wrapped in what kind of spirit are you wrapped up in is it the spirit of God or is it just some spirit of piousness or spirit of rebellion still, but you're in the church? We need to wake up because we're supposed to be chaste virgins because of the blood of Jesus. Listen, all of my sin was paid for. When I believed in Jesus, all my sin, past, present, and future was paid for. And I'm supposed to be wrapping myself up and understanding this inheritance so that I can be presented at the wedding supper of the Lamb to Christ, to my groom. And I can be just like him because I've been listening to him. I've been obeying him. I've been articulating so I can hear his voice and he would know me and I would know him. I want to hear his words and I want to know what he has to say because I've been listening to a liar all my life. I've been wrapped in flesh all my life. And you know what? It's easy to tell the deeds of the flesh. It's easy to tell when somebody's wrapped up in self. They don't care nothing about other people or what's going on in their lives. All they do is say more, 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 more for me. Just like the grave, it's death culture. The grave cries out for more and more and more, Proverbs tells us. And yet, Jesus gave himself away. Completely selfless for the Father's will. What are you wrapped up in? Are you, are you a chaste virgin for Christ because of the blood of Jesus? Listen, I mean, I'm just telling you, it's, it's getting ready to happen right here on the pages for the first time. 
But you and I are types of that same rebellion living in the heathen circle that the Holy Spirit overshadows us and sends us out to carry Christ to others. Mary did it for nine months. She's blessed among women, but we do it for the rest of our lives, allowing that seed to grow in us, in our sterile wombs that could not grow anything because of death and a curse. All it could grow was thorns and thistles and briars and death. But now we can actually grow life because of this inheritance and we can go out and give it to others by just presenting the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they can come and receive that same seed that's planted in you and me, that was planted in Mary. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Can you think about that for a minute that God would trust somebody to carry the gospel? Are you serious? I like to talk about a lot of stuff, but... The gospel, the good news of how men can be saved. We're privileged to be a part of it. But when you do it on your own strength, it doesn't work. You have to do it with the batteries that he includes, the Holy Spirit. See, there's a form of godliness that denies the power thereof all across the planet. Everybody wants to be religious. Everybody wants to be in the in crowd. Think about this 13-year-old girl that's getting ready to be asked to do something that is going to possibly banish her from society. Being pregnant during the betrothal period is called you dying. That's a death sentence because you have slept with somebody else. And they say in Deuteronomy to take you out and stone you to death. And she's getting ready to say, I'm your handmaiden. Let it be according to your word, Lord. See, we're so afraid of death. We're so afraid of what the world might say. Peer pressure, everything else going on in life. And yet this 13-year-old girl, she heard the word of God and she said, her heart was already ready to do God's will. She was being raised to do God's will. And God came and said, here's my will. And she said, okay. And then she goes and investigates it. Let's just keep watching. I get ahead of myself because I get excited when God shows me what the scriptures are saying to us. Or at least it said it to me. I don't know if it says it to you, if you agree with it, if you're receiving it. I don't know what you're wrapped up in. I want to be wrapped up in Jesus. I want to cut away the flesh. I want to keep letting him prune me, as John 15 says. Cut away this flesh. Wrap me. I want people to see Jesus. And I fell miserably. But I... I'm not who I used to be. Twenty-eight. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice! Hail in the King James, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Isn't that amazing? Among women, not above women. Listen to me. Among women, not above women. There are those who venerate her and put her above. She's blessed among women. When the church is birthed, she's in the prayer meeting. She's a highly favored one, just like you and me. Rejoice means hail. <clears throat> Be happy. Be cheerful. Highly favored is the word for grace. It's charis. You're, you're 
highly favored, full of grace. It means to endue with a special honor and make accepted. How are you and I accepted before the beloved? By grace, through faith. It's not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. It's a gracious gift. Why do we get the gracious gift? Because of God's mercy. Titus 3, 5, and 6. Not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to His mercy He saved you through the washing and renewing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Highly favored. She was highly favored. She was called to do God's will. She was chosen. She was preparing her heart. Those who are saved, you and I, all of us become the bride of Christ. We become a, a, a female in that sense, the bride, only in that sense. Because he's the groom, he's the head. And we become highly favored ones. Blessed means to speak well and to prosper. That's what the angel Gabriel is announcing to her. Because why? Because when you see an angel, they were falsely taught that you were going to die. So he's quickly making sure that this young child of 13 to 16 is not afraid, but hears the word of God. And that's what the Spirit of God does when he comes and convicts you of sin and righteousness and judgment. He wants to calm you. And it's a time when I give my life to Christ, it was calm. Because the Holy Spirit was there, because His grace was upon me, because I was favored. And He led me right into His presence. And I knew it was God. And I surrendered to God because of His grace, because of His calling, because of His mercy. I was sitting in a jail cell and was still calm about it. But I ain't shut up since. Highly favored one. You're a highly favored one. Favor means God's face is looked upon you. And you can see the face of God now. You can turn to Him. And you can be in His presence. Not get presence, His presence. See, He is the gift. Being in His presence is the gift. Now we've been returned to His family in His presence. But old St. Nick wants us just to give a bunch of presents and think we feel good about them and have a little bit of worldly happiness because I got a gift. And you know what? It even turns into it's worse than that now. We get it. We throw it down. I give it to grandchildren and they play with the cardboard boxes. They like them better than the gifts. I mean, I'm not being a Scrooge. I'm not being anything, but just telling you what you see on Christmas morn. We get that and then we want something else. You just got $600 worth of toys. I didn't get the number two. Whatever that is. And we're ready for something else and we throw it away. Because we buy into the deception of covetousness. The same deception the devil used on the angels in heaven. Covetousness. We want to be the most high God. We want to be in charge. We want to be the name above all names. We want to lead this instead of surrender. And so our pride gets in the way, and we keep wrapping ourselves in self, wrapping ourselves in the world, wrapping ourselves in all the lies of the wicked one, thinking it's going to get better later, and it won't end in death like it did before. But are you being wrapped in Christ, this great gift of life? 
You're highly favored. God is offering salvation to all of us, the greatest gift ever given, to be in his family where all things are provided, that he makes us royalty, that we can go out and be light bearers. We can share the truth with everybody and not have to fear death anymore because it's been defeated. There's no victory in death anymore because when you die as a child of God, you're in the presence of God and more alive than you've ever been. Are you rejoicing? Fellowship is among, among women, highly favored among women. Are you among the others that are the bride of Christ? Are you in fellowship? <clears throat> but, got a little bit of a contrast here. When she saw him, now I have a note there. I don't know if your Bible does that that's not really in the text. Mine says it's not in the New Universal text. I don't think it's in this text. I don't think it lines up with what we're talking about. It wasn't nothing to do with what she saw. It was what she heard. See the next line? She was troubled, agitated inside at his saying. Listen, that's what she was concerned about, life and death. Listen to me. Zacharias, by contrast, saw the angel at the right hand and was troubled by what he saw. And then he didn't believe and he said, how will I know? I need a sign. This young girl is troubled by what he said. Listen, it's okay to be troubled by what God says. Because we fight in our faith. We're walking by faith. We're like, is this the voice of God? I want to hear the voice of God. But are you seeking to find out if it is the voice of God? Or are you happy to hear any voice and feel good? See, that's emotions. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to hear what God says to me. I want to hear what God wants me to say to you. Because I know there's power in that. And I know that he's going before me in that. I know that he has birthed that in my life. And that I always lead myself to death. So I want to know it's God's voice as a child of God, as a blessed one, as a highly favored one, living in grace. The only thing I'm troubled with is whether I'm giving the true word of God out. Did I hear the voice of God? Is this what he's saying? Are we really able to do this? Is this really my inheritance? Can I really be a child of God living in royalty? And she considered it. She was troubled. She was, she was disturbed by it. And it says in the King James, cast her mind. Cast it in her mind. Let me meditate on this. Let me turn this over. This troubles me a little bit. I just got betrothed. And now you're telling me that, that I'm a highly favored one. And I'm blessed. And I'm a child. And I don't understand it because I receive Christ as a child. So do you. This is salvation on the pages, people, of all of us. And we're supposed to go and carry the Christ child and learn to obey. Only he's not a child anymore. And we'll talk about that next week. She's troubled at what he says, not what she saw. Troubled at his saying. And she cast it into her mind. It means this. I like it because I'm a hillbilly. To reckon thoroughly. She reckoned what he said thoroughly. She deliberated on it. She considered it. She's reasoning about it. She has a heart to follow God. 
what manner of greeting this was. When the Holy Spirit comes and offers you grace, you should consider it. You should wonder what manner of greeting. What, what is this amazing grace that's being offered to me? What kind of love is this? <clears throat> then the angel said to her, so he goes on with his discourse. He's got a message that he was sent to preach because he was sent by God. And God was specifically doing something right here in the fullness of time. He was remembering his oath that he had made. And he was sending his Messiah, his grace. Do not be afraid. That's the message that God would always send to you because sin causes fear. Shame causes fear. It happened in the garden. It happens all the time. It's happening in your life today. And God says, do not be afraid. There is absolutely nothing to be afraid if you're a child of God. There's nothing to be afraid of. Fear is the enemy of faith. Quite possibly the opposite of faith. Because if God has already spoke and purchased you, you are safe. That's what it means. Delivered back to safety in the beloved. Salvation means that. You are safe in the house of God, and there is absolutely nothing to fear. That's why we see Jesus saying it. That's why we see the angels saying it. Do not be afraid, Mary, Maria. Comes from a word, Mara, in the book of Ruth, for bitterness, their rebellion. This is where we're at in life, bitter and rebellious because of death culture. For you have found favor with God. When you have the grace of God, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be bitter. You don't have to continue in your rebellion. Favor with God. Hebrews, in case you're wondering, Hebrews 1.13 and 14 tells us that they're all ministering angels sent to minister to those who would receive salvation. So this isn't some extraordinary thing. The angels are doing this. They're coming and giving messages. But be very careful because Satan himself can come as an angel of light, another spirit, and give you another message, and you'll be wrapped in everything except for Christ. The grace of God. 31. And behold... You will conceive in your womb, you're going to bear fruit, and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, I don't know if you guys know, but every person, on the, every person in the community was having children and the male child would be called Jesus. They all wanted their kids to be the Savior. Jesus was a common name. Yeshua. Joshua. Yeshua. I don't care how you pronounce it. Do you know him? Are you unwrapping him? Are you living for him? Is he your salvation? Is he your salvator? <clears throat> Everybody. And if she gets this message, you're going to have a child in your womb. The matrix. And bring forth a son and call his name. The Lord's salvation, the anointed of God, Yeshua. He will be great, megas, mighty, and will be called the son, the offspring of the highest, the supreme 
God, Almighty God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. So we know that this is a prophecy from 1 Samuel. We know that this is going on because it's the fullness of time. And I'm not going to go into that today. We'll go into it next week a little bit more. But it is a prophecy that he was coming. Everybody's waiting on it. These, these people are all waiting on their Messiah. They've been looking forward since the Old Testament all the way through for God's provision for the sin nature. You and I look back on it and are saved by faith. And here we have this announcement uh, by the angel Gabriel who was sent by God to tell this uh, girl who, whose name means their rebellion, that she's going to have a child in her womb and call his name Jesus. That he's going to have the throne of his father David. Now you might think, well, what does all that mean? She knows what it means. They had to know the word of God. They, they, they had the word of God taught to them by their parents all the time. She knows what it means. She knows it's the prophecy of the Messiah coming. I'm sure she does. They memorized their Bible. They rehearsed their Bible. They, they, when they sang songs, it was about the Bible and the word of God. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. It's an eternal throne forever. It was the promise given to David. It was the promise about the coming Messiah. Over the house of Jacob, Jacob means supplanter, deceiver. Jacob was a liar, a thief. Interesting, huh? One of our patriarchs. When you guys ever think of that, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Isn't it funny? Isaac means laughter. Jacob means supplanter and deceiver. So he's a father of many laughing thieves. I mean, I don't know. Isn't that what it sounds like? It sounds like it to me. Many deceivers in the heathen circle and their rebellion. That's what Abraham was father over. But our father in heaven is the father of royalty. He's the father of Jesus. Well, how's that going to happen, Greg? Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? This no is the same word, gnosko, but this is talking about euphemistically in sleeping with and having intercourse and having a baby. She has not. She's a virgin. So she knows that scientifically in the realm where she lives at this little age that there's no way for her to have a baby because she has been loyal to God. She's prepared her heart for God. She's waiting for her husband, Joseph, who has, she's betrothed to. She's doing the right thing because such a thing not to do would produce a death sentence upon her for sleeping with somebody prior to the wedding prior to the, be, the engagement period being over at the wedding supper of the Lamb. So she didn't say, show me a sign. That's what, basically what Zach said. How will I know this? 
See, because so many seek after a sign, and Jesus is later going to tell them when they say, if you're the Messiah, show us a sign. And he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but none will be given except for the prophet Jonah, who was three days in the belly of a well. So shall the Son of Man be three days in the earth. Because an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Instead of walking by faith, preparing their heart to meet God and to live for God, looking to obey God and do the will of God and quit looking at everybody else and trying to take care of self. When you stop taking care of self, listen, when you start looking to give yourself away, you're going to have joy. You're going to meet the true risen God when you begin trying to help others come to know God. It's what we're designed to do as light bearers. It's what we're designed to do as little chips off the old block, as examples of Christ. We're designed to be messengers that are sent by God to tell them of salvation. And yet we say we believe in God and we continue to wrap ourselves up in falseness or in flesh and then we say why am I miserable why do do I do these things why am I trapped here because you're still living a good old sin nature life and you're not trying to live for Jesus and be wrapped in Christ and his will for his glory for such a time as this how can this be since I do not know a man She's, it's a very honest question. Listen, when you hear the sayings of God, it's okay to say, how? It's okay to say, I don't understand that. Will you help me understand it, Lord? It's okay to cry out to Him. He says, come and reason with me. Though your sins were as scarlet, they can be white as snow. It's okay. It's okay. In fact, that's what you should be doing in prayer, is talking to God about all of these things that we don't understand. Speaking to Him, and He wants to make His Word known to you. Remember our scripture memory last week? Turn at my rebuke, turn at my reproof, turn at my correction, and I will pour my Spirit out upon you and make my words known to you. Proverbs 1.23, when we hear the truth, when we hear the Word of God, and we turn and say, what are you talking about? How can this be? Literally, that's what parables were when Jesus was speaking with parables. It was for those that would say, what does that mean? How can that be, Lord? And they would draw closer to God, and He would pour out His Spirit and make His Word known to them. It's literally the person whose heart is really wanting to know God, as opposed to the person who wants to keep wrapping himself up in self and living in death culture, because that's where the only place self ends is death culture. You can be pregnant with sin, temptation. When it's full-blown, it gives forth death. That's that's what's birthed out of sin. That's what's birthed out of temptation. That's what's birthed from the the great sea of temptation that the devil offers. That's what James says in chapter 1 anyway. But you can be wrapped in light. You can walk in the light as he is in the light. You can say, how can this be? How can this be that God would change a wretch like me? 
save a wretch like me. In what manner is how? How are you going to do that, Lord? Greg, I want you to go to Attica. How are you going to do that, Lord? You know, when God told Moses to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. You know what he said? He said, here I am. Send Aaron. Send my brother. Send some other priest. You know, if he would have sat around and thought about how am I going to feed two and a half million people in the wilderness three meals a day? Somebody did the math on that. It's like a bunch of railroad cars for each meal. If you sit around and think about these things instead of just trusting God and going, you'll never do nothing. If you're relying on your own strength, you'll never do nothing. If you're looking at your own abilities, you're never going to do nothing. You have to be dead, wrapped in Christ, looking to His power, His might, His calling, what He has provided as a dowry for you to prepare you to be the bride of Christ. And He says, my God will supply for all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's going to provide everything you need. The angel, Gabriel, the angel answered her. The message answers her. You can get all your answers from the gospel, from the word of God. Said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest, the supreme God, will overshadow you. Therefore also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now that's a messianic term, the Son of God. You cannot mess that up. You need to know that he is the son of God. That's one of his names, the Messiah. So when people tell you that you don't have to call him the son of God, that's demonic. That's demonic. There was a guy traveling around that was a converted Muslim saying you don't want to tell him he's the son of God because he's the offspring of God. You want to tell him he's the son of God because he comes from the same place as God. And I say that's demonic. You're taken away from the messianic name of Christ. He's the son of God because he was birthed by God. He wasn't birthed by the first Adam. He doesn't have the sin nature that you and I have. He's the son of God. But, you know, it's, he, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. How am I going to take the message? How am I in my rebellion going to take the message by grace to other people? Because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The same way Jesus walked the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus did was by the power of the Holy Spirit while he was in the flesh. He was a spirit and a fleshly body that was subject to everything you and I are subject to. And he listened to the voice of God and was led by the Holy Spirit without measure, the Bible tells us. He had the Holy Spirit without measure. Why? Because he never interrupted his fellowship because he never sinned. Sin and rebellion and disobedience and unbelief interrupts your fellowship with God. His was never interrupted until when? Until he hung on the cross and the Holy Spirit and the Father turned their head on him because he took all the sins of the world upon him. And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He said it twice because he was saying it once to the Father and once to the Holy Spirit. They had always been in co-union. They had always been in perfect union together until he took the sin of yours and mine. 
And when he took that sin, he had to be separated. See, he had never been separated. How could he be acquainted with my grief? How could he understand what I'm going through if he's never been separated from the Godhead? See, you and I have been separated from God's family until that moment he never had. And when he was separated, then he died. He gave up his own spirit. He said, Tetelestai, it is finished. And then he, spirit to the Father, as a gift for the sins of the world. And in that death in his flesh, God was well pleased. And so on the third day, he raised him up. And he's given him the name above all names. Or where one day every knee will bow to the praise of his glory. Are you bowing today? If you're bowing today and humbling yourself, you'll be wrapped in Christ. If you're not bowing, you're still being wrapped in some lie. You're still being wrapped up in your flesh. You're still doing what self wants to do and living a good old-fashioned sin nature life and being deceived like Eve was in the garden. Because you've been betrothed to Christ as a chaste version, and she's going to say in a minute, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, let it be according to your word. Are you saying that in your life? Are you looking to live a life that says, according to your word, that's how I want to live? That's the bride of Christ. That's the church. Anything else is continued rebellion. Now, I'm not saying that anybody's figured it out perfectly. But that's the direction our hearts should be turned toward home. Knowing truth, being set free, opening this gift of life. And walking it out. And you can't do it continuing to be stuck on self. Continuing to live for self. Continuing to look for presence instead of his presence. Because I want to be in his presence. And walk out his grace and his favor. I don't want to be barren. Are you a barren Christian? Sterile because there's no spirit in you? sterile because you've borne no fruit because you continue to resist the work of God. He is not powerless. He's the highest, supreme. Don't be deceived by Satan who is mighty, but God is almighty. Notice, did you notice that while we're talking about Satan? You notice he ain't here? You notice he ain't in the message? He ain't, he ain't doing nothing to interfere. If he had any power, he'd be stopping this. It's clearly wide out in the open. He's a spirit. He knows exactly what Gabriel's brought. He probably watched it. He's in the spiritual realm. He's like, hey, a couple of my generals just came and said, hey, they just dispatched Gabriel. The devil only does what God allows him to do. The devil is God's devil. To test your heart. To test you to see if you're going to be betrothed and open the gift and be wrapped in Christ and be presented and cross the finish line and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. See, we're entering in now if we want to. It's there. It's provided. It's free. But you have to stop entering into all this, this world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one and listening to the spirit of Antichrist. Now, I'm not saying again that anybody's doing it perfectly, but we have to be of that mindset. Truth sets us free the lie keeps us deceived and in bondage, seducible, walking in the world instead of walking for Christ, living for God. How can this be? I don't know a man. 
And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, 35B, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Look, the mighty power. You know what that word is? Listen to me. Just, just, just let me just give you this. This is Acts 1.8 on steroids. Acts 1.8 with the Messiah. All three of the words. Upon is epi. That's the third stage. You shall receive power is dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, epi. To be a witness for me throughout Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is what Mary's doing. The will of God. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit coming upon her with power, dudamus. It's a miracle, miraculous power. And it's the same thing that happens in your life and my life if we will turn to God and surrender to God. And we can carry the Christ to other people, the light of the world, the truth, the message of the gospel to others Because when you believe in Christ, the seed of God, the Holy Spirit is planted in your heart. But it can't grow unless you begin to fellowship with God in the word, prayer, and fellowship. Surrendering to Him. It can't grow. You can't be wrapped in the inheritance of Christ unless you allow the Spirit to lead your life. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. But this word here, I, I really looked it up. I thought it was kind of amazing. The Holy Spirit come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And then, of course, he'll be called the son of God. Overshadow you. If you go back to Genesis 2 and you don't have to go there. I just was toying with this thought. You know what's going on in Genesis 1, 2? The Holy Spirit is hovering. He's overshadowing this earth. And that's how fruit begins to be built, when he overshadows it. He's over it. And then God speaks and says, let there be light. And the entire existence begins because of God's word. And here again, he's speaking this word, and she's going to become pregnant with the Messiah, the Mashiach of God. And it's the same type of a, of a word, overshadowing. Hovering over, it's, it's, it's over, going to do God's will, getting ready to do the, the, the plan of creation, and here is the plan of salvation. Just an interesting word, overshadow. It's actually two words. It actually is the upon again, epi. The upon experience of the Holy Spirit. And it's the word for shadow or shade. To cast shade upon. To envelop in a haze of brilliance. I mean, you see this going on all the way through the Bible. In God's creation. When he delivered them from Egypt. He went before them as a cloud by day. What was it? A light by day and a cloud by night. He protected them, a fire by night, I'm sorry. He was always there protecting them, overshadowing his people that he created. He was always there. At night, it's dark. In the desert, it's cold. He was a fire to warm them. They could see. In the daytime, it's burning hot. He was a, he was a cloud to overshadow them. But what did they do? They ignored him. They hardened their hearts as in the day of rebellion, and they all fell dead in the wilderness except for two of them. Because they ignored the overshadowing, the upon experience, the work of the Holy Spirit, the leading and guiding. They ignored his words. They disobeyed him. 
and we all can do this, and we need to wake up and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. 36, now indeed Elizabeth, listen, she didn't ask for a sign. She said, how's it going to happen? And look, the Holy Spirit gives her a sign. Signs follow obedience. So we know she's obedient. Listen, we can see right there in the text that in her heart she's already being obedient because the Holy Spirit knows it, the angel knows it, and he gives her a sign. Watch this. That's how it follows in the church. See, the church has got this upside down. We do a whole bunch of gold and fancy stuff and a lot of, a lot of a hype, and we put the sign out in front of God. But really, when you're obeying God, signs will follow. There'll be evidence. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That evidence comes after you obey. She's obeying in her heart. She's getting ready to say what she's saying. But the angel that was sent first tells her, here's a little bit of help for you, Mary, since you're young. Indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, your cousin, King James, because John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. Mary or Maria, young, 13 to 16. Elizabeth, possibly 80. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. In other words, that's what answers your first thing in 26, the sixth month, the angel, the sixth month of her pregnancy, the sixth month after he was birthed in her womb, when Zach got back from praying, burning incense, of her who was called sterile. Your aunt, you've known it, you've seen it at everything you've done for the past 13 to 16 years. At every family event, your aunt is barren and she's ashamed because she has no child to leave everything to. But now she's going to have a child, the, holy, or the angel tells her. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Do you believe that today? That the one who can speak and create the heavens and the earth, the one who can save you. See, think about it. We go, oh, I believe he saved me, but I can't believe that he's going to pay my rent. I believe he saved me from hellfire, but I can't believe he's going to get me through tomorrow. I believe he saved me from hellfire, but man, my spouse is driving me crazy. He can't get me through my spouse. Listen, what is it that you think is impossible with God if you are surrendering to the work of his spirit? And if you're surrendering to the work of his spirit, everything around you is going to get better because you're going to be wanting to cast light upon it. You're going to be wanting to make it better, to save it, to give it the gospel, to present your life to it so that it can be richer and full of joy, no matter what it is. As a spouse, as a spouse, after you have surrendered your life to God, the number one thing you should do is to make sure that your spouse is full of joy and you're doing everything to make your spouse greater than they are. To see the love of God. It's your first ministry if you're married. Your second ministry is your children. Your children's going to leave your house. They're going to go take their own spouses. So it's upside down and sideways and crooked when the child is before the other spouse. Listen to me, I'm just telling you, because see, the devil's entered into marriage and has destroyed it. He's entered into family and he's destroying it. And in the world, under their earthly, central, demonic wisdom, they call it dysfunctional. God calls it sin and disobedience. 
I like dysfunctional, huh? We're a little dysfunctional in my family. No, you're a little bit in sin in your family. You're a little bit under the sway of the wicked one in your family. And you're not listening and obeying God. That's what the Bible says. But we want to rename it with some earthly, sensual, demonic words, just like we've done with addiction and everything else. We made everything a sickness, and Christ didn't die for your sicknesses. Christ died for your sin. He can heal sicknesses. But wouldn't it, I mean, what's it gain you if your sickness is healed and you go to hell because you don't know Christ and your soul's still sick? See, people would rather have their sickness in the flesh healed than their soul healed. But the sickness in the flesh is to get you to cry out to God so that your soul can be healed. Your problems in life are to get you to cry out to God and to reach out to Him and to pray and to trust Him for life and godliness. Oh, if the Lord would just do this or that or take this, I'd believe in Him. No, you wouldn't. You would wait for the next problem to cry out again and you'd never cry out to Him. It's called foxhole Christianity. Only when there's a problem do I cry out to God. That's not relationship. That's a genie in a bottle. But the only time I talk to my wife or spend any time with my wife is when she cooks supper. That's a shallow relationship based upon a physical appetite of mine. Or just upon sex, a shallow relationship based upon a physical appetite of mine. Just what she can do for me, a shallow, selfish appetite. We're supposed to be giving ourselves away. What about other people's needs? I ain't really cared about them right now. I'm just worried about myself. Right, that's death. You're never going to get better worrying about yourself. You're never going to get better being like a stinking pit dweller. Because that's all it is. It's pit dwelling. Jesus gave us life. And people are dying all around us, maybe in our own house. And all we want to do is pity party about ourselves. Cry out to him. He's the only one going to change it. If something's going to be changed in your life, the only one's changing it is Jesus. When you unwrap this gift and you wrap it around you and you see this inheritance and you begin to walk in that victory, you're not fighting for victory, you're walking, you're running a race in victory. You're a parade of God's trophies of grace because you're favored, being paraded in front of the devil and all the enemies of the cross. Your royalty. And you can walk around like that. But don't do it in your own strength. Do it in humility. Because we're supposed to pray for our enemies. You're not even supposed to rejoice when one of your enemies falls. Lest God see your rejoicing and turn and raise them back up. Figure that one out. You're supposed to understand where your help comes from. And if you do something good, it comes from Christ. If there's something good in you, it's Christ. If you're wrapped up in something good, it's Christ. Nothing good dwells in our flesh. That's why it's got to be in the grave. That's why you got to take it off. You don't say, look what I did. As soon as you say I, that's ego. Ease God out. As soon as you point at yourself, you just ease God out of the equation. Wasn't God then. Have you unwrapped this gift? Mary is a young girl. 
standing here listening to an angel. And we're going to see that she's not afraid to go against all the norms of society, all the norms of her culture in order to obey God. All the things that her peers are doing in order to obey God. Listen, you need to hear the voice of God. You need him to know you and you to follow him. Unwrap this gift and quit listening to everybody else and do what God has called you to do. Or die, whichever one you want to do. That's the only two options. Live or die. Cursing or blessings, they're put before you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not going to be barren, but it's not because of me. It's because he's called me, and I ain't going to shut up. I'm not going to let the world sterilize my voice. I'm not going to let the world sterilize my witness and my testimony and my salvation. But that's only because of the Spirit of God and the grace of God that I'm a highly favored one. I've lived in the pit. And I am not what God wants me to be, but I am no longer what I used to be because I'm a child of God. I'm highly favored, and I'm looking to enter into his rest. And you know what? We all sin. Well, I don't. You guys all sin. We all sin. Listen, we all sin, but Christ already paid for it all. I'm a chaste virgin being washed and cleansed. I'm going to be presented to God as a bride without spot or wrinkle or any such stain. And you're all part of that. The church is part of that. The church is those living stones that are being clipped together, chipped away at. Problem is, is are you letting him chip away at you? We'll try to close this up in the next 14 or 15 closings. Nothing is impossible with God. Are you serving the same God that I am, the one who died and gave you an inheritance and you can be wrapped in him? He's the light of the world. He hung on a tree for us. He gives you his spirit. He gives you a hope and a future. Listen to me. No reason to be weak and anemic, anemic running around in fear. Not of man. 38, what does Mary say? What does Mary, their rebellion, Maria say? Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. See, she knows who she belongs to, right? Maid servant of the Lord. It's the, the female Dooley, Dooley, D-O-U-L-E. The male is a doulos. Means a slave. A voluntary slave of God. See, because you're going to be slave to something. You want to keep being slave to sin? Then you're still living your sin nature. You're still being wrapped up in flesh. Or you can be a slave to God, a servant of God, the most high God. And that's what she said. She says, here I am. I'm your handmaid, your female slave. I choose to be a slave for you. I choose to serve you. See, our secular culture wants us to get focused on slavery, but they don't want us to be looking at being a slave for God. They want us to get focused on all the things that are bad in death culture about it. 
all the things that divide and destroy instead of all the things that unite and make us all the bride of Christ and adorns us to be presented to Christ. And it gives us witness and testimony and an ability to go out and share because we've been equipped because we are douloses and doulies of God. We voluntarily surrender to God it's, it, because we see the love of God. And that's what she's saying. Her heart has been prepared for this moment. Your heart has been prepared for the moment you give your life to Christ. And the Spirit convicts you of sin and righteousness and judgment. So she says, let it be to me. And that's all I can say. I can't say let it be to you according to his word, but I can say, let it be to me. I'm going to be faithful as much as you let me, God, because that's all I'm called to be. Let it be to me according to your word, according to what you've said, Lord. What did you call me to be? What's my talents? What's my abilities? What did you call me to do? Where did you call me to live? Where did you call me to work? I don't make those decisions based on how much they pay and how fun it is. Most people make it on what they like with their eyes. you got to make it on what God gives you. What God has provided for you. Because if you make your decisions based on what you can do, you're living in the flesh. You're living in the strength of yourself. You're living in what your bank account says you can do. What about what God said? Your bank account is going to burn. What did God say you could do? My God said, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. All things that he called me to do. Not all things I want to do. Oh, I feel like God is calling me to get a brand new car. Really? See, in bankruptcy. You go by your feelings, you end up in a ditch. That's all I'm telling you. I'll get back on point. Here we go. Have you ever said to God, here I am, you're doulos, I'm your servant. I'm your slave. Let it be done to me according to your word. That's the end of the message. The angel departs. Now you're standing there. She's standing there with truth that's been announced going. If she's believing God, she's holding her belly waiting for it to conceive in her womb. Right? If she believes God, she's like, oh my goodness. Think about it. If you believe God that he's called you, shouldn't you be investigating? Shouldn't you be finding out what he called you to do? He wants to bear fruit. He wants you to carry the Christ child. Can you think about this? This is a child. My goodness. Even if she's 16, she's a child. Today, adolescence is 27. I ain't making it up. It's true. You're an adolescent until you're 27. Whoever heard of that nonsense? I thought we were getting stronger, betterer, and everything, smarter. Bunch of nonsense. Wisdom of the world that's lying to you. Listen. What did she do? Now the angel's gone. All your little emotions and feelings and everything that you think, all that feeling. I was told 24 years ago that that pink cloud would go away. I don't think it's went away. I don't even know what they're talking about, but I ain't going nowhere by the grace of God. Let's open it up. Let's look. Let's close this out. I just want to read the next 170 verses. No, seriously, we got to get, to, we got to get all the way to chapter 2. And there is um, 
42 more verses before we get there. Let's look. What did Mary do? Now Mary arose. Now I looked it up. It's not the word for resurrection, but it comes from the same word for resurrection. Because if you believe God, you resurrect from the dead and now you can walk in his power. She got up and went somewhere and did something about the message she just heard. She didn't go, okay, I'm going to go get another nutty bar and sit on the couch. I don't know where that come from. Maybe you like nutty bars. I, I eat them. Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste. This is your first Christmas rush, by the way. She went in a hurry. In God's speech, she, didn't, she, she went to investigate to a city of Judah, a city of praise, and entered the house of Zacharias, God remembered, and greeted Elizabeth, his oath. And it happened when Elizabeth, his oath, heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, the greeting of their rebellion, that the babe leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. She went to investigate. She was told that her barren aunt, cousin, whatever we call it. See, because that's, I get all like, uh, because we sing about it being her aunt. And it's really her cousin, according to scripture. So um, that's a little different. They're in the same kinship is what we can look at. The same family. She got up and went to investigate. Is this thing that I have heard this message? Is it true? Because now I can more fully believe about this babe and what is going to be in my belly. And if I have to die for my faith, because if I become pregnant and Joseph isn't the one, I'm going to die. If it wasn't because God added to my womb the fruit, I'm still going to die. So she has to know. She's investigating these truths. She's going straight to the source. And now, how's her faith bolstered? When she gets there, Elizabeth's not only pregnant, but that babe, we already know, John was full of the Holy Spirit from the womb, leaps because of the presence of the Messiah. So it's already conceived in her belly. By the time she gets to the hill country in Judah, prays where God remembers his oath, by the time she gets there, already done it's a done deal watch how they start talking about it like it's a done deal watch how they start prophesying and the holy spirit fills elizabeth and she says look 42 this is what happened when you're filled with the holy spirit she spoke what she speak the praises of god the truth of god she shared the word of god watch this she spoke out with a loud voice that's the reason I yell. And said, blessed are you among women. There it is, the second witness that you get. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. She's not blessed above women. She's blessed among women. You are not better than any other saint. You're blessed with the saints. All the saints are hagios. They're the called out ones. You're either a saint or an ain't. If you don't know Jesus, you're not being wrapped in that inheritance, then you're an ain't. If you're being led by the Spirit of God to be wrapped up in Christ, you're a saint. You're set apart for His pleasure because now you've chosen to be a doulos of God voluntarily. So the Spirit of God speaking through Elizabeth, speaking through His promise, speaking through His oath, says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That's where you get fruit of the loom underwear at, okay? 
No? Sorry. But why? Look at this. Why? This is what you should say about amazing grace. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Why should this message come to me? Why would somebody tell me about this? Why would God call me? <clears throat> See, all of us, well, we just keep going. I got to get this done. So we know that when God took away Elizabeth's shame, her barrenness, it humbled her. And she's even saying why. Because salvation humbles you. Fruit humbles you. It doesn't, you know, it's again, it goes back to the parable of the tares and the wheat. Tares and wheat look just alike. Here they are, both of them right here. Tares and wheat look just alike when they're in a field, when they're babies, when they're children. Maybe it's when a Christian first says a prayer. But how do you know the difference? As they start to mature, there's fruit in the womb. <clears throat> there's fruit in the head of real wheat. And it begins to bow. Tares keep their heads sticking straight up because there's nothing there. It's empty. Fruit causes you to bow down. Fruit causes you to humble and to realize the grace of God that you don't deserve. To realize the work of God in your life and give Him glory for it. But it also does what? It opens your eyes to see other spiritual truth. And Elizabeth knew by the power of the Holy Spirit that Mary, Maria, was giving birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. So she's seen God working around her. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, faith comes by hearing, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believes. See that testimony from the Holy Spirit? How do we know she believed? Well, one, the Holy Spirit tells us. Two, she went to investigate the truths. That's what this whole book is about. If you believe in Jesus, you don't sit around in your sin. You get up and go investigate. You get up and go make disciples. You find out what you're called to do. That becomes your life. Oh, yeah, you might work in the meantime. You might do that and make brick in order to pay for your family. But your life has now become hidden in Christ, and Christ is saving the world, and Christ is only concerned about the ministry of reconciliation and making sure that lies, lies are exposed so that people can walk in the light and be wrapped up in truth and not in lies and deception. But here's the testimony that she believed. Believe is the word pistio. It's the word that means to have faith. It's the word that means to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ and then have a constancy in that. It's not a one-time deal. It's a constancy. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which the Lord told her from the Lord. So the prophecy is going to be fulfilled. And Mary said, now this is called the magnificat from the word magnifies. You know what you do with a magnifying glass? You magnify. You know what glasses are for? To magnify. You know what she's going to do by the power of the Spirit? She's going to magnify the Lord. You make Him greater. John later will say, I, He must increase, but I must decrease. That's called magnifying the Lord and His power, strength, and might in your life. My soul, not my emotions, not my... Uh, 
Do you see what she's saying? My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. This is Mary speaking. This is their rebellion in humility. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. It's his character. And his mercy is on those who fear him. You want mercy? We're saved by mercy. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. That's all people. He has shown strength with his arm. Christ is his arm, his right arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their heart. The proud keep coming up with their own little imaginations in their heart, and they don't bow down. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He chooses from the back of the line. He has filled the hungry with good things. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And the rich he has sent away empty. If you think you already have it going on and you're rich in anything, intellect, money, anything, he sends you away. You have to come to him knowing you need all things from him. He has helped his servant Israel. Jacob, that same one, Jacob, remember he changed his name to Israel? In remembrance of his mercy, his promise. That right there is Zacharias and Elizabeth. As he spoke to our fathers, prophecy to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Now this amazes me. Listen to me. Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months. Isn't that nine months? And then look at the next line. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered and she brought forth the son. Mary left before the baby was born. She didn't have to see it. I'm like, why didn't you just stay another day? Anyway, my brain just does that. She was there nine months already. The baby getting ready to come. I'm getting out of the way. I'm going to let that baby be born. I'm going home. I'm three months pregnant now. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. Look at the testimony. See, God took away the barrenness from Elizabeth. Elizabeth is bearing fruit, and other people see it, and they rejoice with her. They see the light. They see the good news. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, following the law, blameless, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. God remembers. That would have been repetitious, huh? His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. The Lord is a gracious giver. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. Notice how now they're interrupting culture. They're interrupting what they should be doing. They're stepping out and believing and following God because of the fruit of the womb. There's nobody there. So they made signs to his father. Here's, here's nine months now. Zach has been, had shut up, put on his mouth because he did not believe God. He didn't trust God. He asked for a sign instead of just going and saying, God's answered our prayer, Elizabeth. We're going to have a baby. He w- and, and what he would have him called, 63, and he asked for a tablet and wrote, his name is John. So they all marveled immediately. That's a good word. It's the gospel of Mark. And then immediately, God's moving quick. His mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. Because he's seen it now. He believes it now. He's living it now. And he spoke praising God. 
Notice when his tongue was loose, what he was doing, he wasn't questioning God. He wasn't asking for a sign. He was praising God because he sees the work of God and he believes God. Then what happened, Greg? 65, fear came on all who dwelt around them. Fear of God. When you're living for God, the fear of God, great fear comes upon people when you're living for God. They know it's not you. Many people try to steal God's glory, but when you do, he leaves the room. And all these sayings were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. So everybody's talking about it. Everybody's like, what's going to go on? And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts. They're pondering it in their hearts saying, what kind of child will this be? Here, there's the question. Listen, you've come to the grace of God. You believe in God. What kind of child are you going to be of God? What kind of child are you going to be? God is a gracious giver. What kind of child are you going to be? Are you going to receive the gift and open the gift and wrap yourself in the gift? What kind of child will you be in God's house? An obedient child? A disobedient child? Will you be a silent child? Will you speak as a child? Will you say, behold the doulos of God? Do with me as your word says. Let it be done to me. Listen, his will is way better than your death culture. What he wants to do with your life is way better than what you would plan. You would plan to build a tower of Babel and kill yourself, just like anybody else left in their own devices. What he has planned for you is amazing. And nothing is impossible with the Lord. You can trust him. What kind of child would this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Is the hand of the Lord with you? Now his father, Zacharias. Now Zach is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice people that are being used by God are filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the power is not from you. The strength is not from you. The wit is not from you. The intellect is not from you. It's the Holy Spirit filling you, coming up on you with power. And he prophesied. So now he's going to prophesy saying, blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Notice how it's done. God prophesied it. He's saying it's done. Because they're seeing it. They're seeing John who's going to go before and say, make straight the way of the Lord. They've seen Mary there. And she's, she's got the babe in her womb because they know the testimony of John already. It leaped in the womb. And they're saying it's done deal. Man, God is really fulfilling his promises. When you start showing the evidence of life, that's when you see God fulfilling his promises. And we know that people are saved. You can tell a tree by its fruit. Look what he says. He's visited and redeemed his people, 69, and has raised up a horn, power of salvation, deliverance from the sin nature for us in the house of his servant David. That's what he promised. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began. The first one, Abel. Cain killed him. The devil's always been trying to kill the prophets who foretell the word of God. Abel was doing it by his lifestyle. He brought an offering to God which was acceptable. Think about it for a minute because that's what we're supposed to be bringing to God because Christ brought perfect righteousness to us. He gives us a perfect power. He wraps us in his spirit. He fills us to overflowing and we should be living lives or at least attempting to live a life that's acceptable with intentionality. But I watch the landscape and people are not even intentional about living for Jesus. They're more intentional about getting to their favorite show or their favorite place or doing what their flesh wants instead of doing the will of God. That's not spirit. That's death. We're so intentional about getting 
what we want for self, but we're not intentional about living for God. Makes me feel like I stink, but I know I am righteous in Christ. And I know he's given me the batteries. He's given me the power. He's wrapped me in his light. He's, I'm a highly favored one. I don't have to keep listening to death culture and walking around in fear and chasing all of these American dreams. I'm a son of the king. Seventy-one. What should we do because of what they said? That we should be saved from our enemies. Are you saved from your enemies? Or are your enemies still beating you down and dragging you around, leading you by your nose? And from the hand of those who hate us, enemies of the cross, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God remembers Zacharias, his oath, Elizabeth. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Are you serving God without fear? Listen, this is the promise. We don't have to fear all of this stuff down here. But that's what the devil uses to destroy us. The fear of, can I do it? Can I make it? Will it be okay? Listen, every time I go to get in the pulpit or start to teach or do anything, I got to fight through it by faith. I got to take thoughts captive. Are you taking thoughts captive? Are you wrapping yourself in Christ? Do you believe the inheritance? Do you believe he called you? Or are you still trying to do it in your own strength? It's a fight. It's a battle. It takes intentionality. It takes surrender. But once you heard his word and you know his word and you continue to say, I don't care God's word, but he'll forgive me later. That's a demonic heart. That's an evil heart. That's a heart that's not trying to do God's will. That's a heart that's being deceived, seduced. Are we serving God without fear? See, COVID is a form of fear. I'm not saying it's not out there. I'm not saying people's not dying of it. People are going to die physically every day regardless of what we do. But it's the fear that creates the power that the government now has to bring in one world government to take over your entire life. And if you give in to that fear today, you'll be given into it worse tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It's training your heart but God saved us. He gave us life and that more abundantly. He's defeated death. He's defeated fear. We're allowed to be the doulos of God and do his word without fear. Because that's what it says in the word of God. And he's not a liar. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Because of Christ and his righteousness. Because redemption has come. And you, child, listen to what he says about his own son. And you, child, listen to what he says about God being a gracious giver. And the grace of God will be called the prophet of the highest. The supreme God. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Why? Through the tender mercies, or how? Through the tender mercy, through the grace of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. Look at that. 
What are we supposed to be doing? We're all called to be John the Baptist. We're all supposed to go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. And to give light to those who are sitting in darkness. They, they were walking, they were standing, and now they're sitting in darkness. And the shadow of death. To guide our feet in the way of peace. Wow. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. He wasn't in the schools of higher learning. He wasn't in there getting all their lies. He spent time with the Lord. The Lord raised him up and trained him and sent him out before him. And he was such a powerful witness. John was such a powerful witness that the ruling authorities came out to where he was at just to hear what he was saying. He was such a witness. They came out to where he was baptizing people and wanted to see what was going on. Father, thank you. Thank you that we've been delivered from the sin nature. That we can serve you without fear. That we can know that all things are possible with you. And that we can do it in your strength and surrender. Lord, help us to humble ourselves in your sight so you can lift us up. Wrap us in your son Jesus in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we get into the word, prayer, and fellowship, wrap that bow around us, Lord, so people will know that we are your sons and daughters for your glory for such a time as this. We give you praise, Lord. Help us to unwrap the greatest gift ever given. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I